Books can take us around the world. They can take us to the intimate spaces of human experiences, and they can help us grow through their words. Stay tuned for People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. I am Janice Leibovitz. You are my People of the Book. Another week, and we will be talking books once more. But before I start, I need to first pay tribute. To DJ Flo Bogenkosi Mnyandu, who we lost just yesterday. And for those of you listening, and for those of you perhaps listening who have been my guest on the show in the past year, uh, more than likely it was DJ Flo who connected you to me and to whoever was listening. And he was my caller, my connection, who connected my guests to me, to the studio, and to the world, really, and I'm going to miss him telling me to have a great show, and we're really going to miss him. Condolences to his family, to his loved ones, to all of us here at the Chai FM family. Um, it's a great loss to all. Um, DJ Flo, um, you will always be fondly remembered. Um, today, um, with this being Holocaust Remembrance Week and Holocaust Remembrance Day, was on Wednesday. Um, of course, for, for us, we have Yom HaShoah, which we commemorate usually just after Pesach, but the 27th of January is the day that the United Nations designate, designated as Holocaust Remembrance Day, as it is the, um, the day that Auschwitz, the, the day that Auschwitz-Birkenau was liberated, and that's the day that was designated for international, um, an international day of remembrance. And last year I started off saying that I intended doing an annual show where we would, um, do a show on Holocaust books. And what I did was I put out a request asking people to recommend books of this genre that they had read and what well, I wouldn't particularly say enjoyed, but books that they would recommend. And I asked particularly for for books that weren't the the books that were the more popular ones, um, you know, the books that, that people know about, the books that people read regularly. And I mean obviously people did did mention those books like The Choice The Choice by um, Dr. Edith Egger and um the the book thief and the tattooist of, of Auschwitz and and books like that. And I was looking for the more obscure titles and I mean, obviously those books are, are the popular ones. They're always, that they're classics. They're always going to be mentioned. And, um, thank you so much for, for all the recommendations that came flooding in. And, um, I'm not going to mention people's names who recommended them, but I'm, I'm just going to thank you all from the start. Um, because there were really so many and, and I really have to thank you for, for the incredible response that I got. And more and more, this is becoming, a genre that, that people are reading. It's widespread. People are aware that, that we need to read about it or we need some um, education on the topic and on the subject and we need to, to educate and let people know about what happens so that it never happens again. The other concept that I asked for was books that would introduce children to, to the Holocaust. When I say children, I'm not talking about very young children. 
obviously I'm not children who are, you know, in nursery school, although some people think it is necessary, others don't. They prefer to introduce children to this when they're a bit older. Opinions vary, and obviously it's a personal um, preference. But um, I did get um, uh, recommendations for children's books, and these are books that are commonly read. Um, Often they are um, prescribed reading in schools. Some people feel that some schools prescribe them too young. There are different opinions also around the world. Um, Globally, there is recommended reading in schools in different countries. Certain countries obviously ignore this in their um, curricula, but uh, that's a different topic for a different day. Um, One book that stood out for me, and I know this isn't for young children, it's for older children. Um, I know that it was mentioned many years ago, was a book called Paperclips. There was a film that accompanied it, and I don't remember exactly where this occurred. It was somewhere in America, and what had happened was there was a high school teacher who was trying to educate their class about the Holocaust and about what had happened. These were teenagers who were in an environment where they had never heard of the Holocaust. They didn't know what had happened, and they couldn't actually grasp the concept or the number of six million. And what occurred to them was, how were they going to conceptualize six million? How were they going to grasp this number? It was such a huge number. What what was six million to them? They, They didn't understand what that meant. And to make it more concrete and more real, the decision was made that they were going to collect six million paperclips. But how were they going to do that? How were they going to start? Where were they going to put them? What were they going to do? And they started collecting these six million paperclips. And they started requesting, firstly locally, from around them, for people to send them paperclips. I'm talking normal paperclips that you clip paper with that you use in your everyday work life and normal paper clips. And then the the project grew and they they started receiving paper clips from all over the world. If you can get hold of this, this book or the film, I'm sure you can look it up on YouTube, Google it. Um it's it's incredible and it's something um to teach learners the concept of of the magnitude of what six million is. It, it's quite, um, it's quite hard hitting and it's, it's, it's quite moving how these students came to grips with what happened in the Holocaust. Students who had never heard of it, who didn't know what had happened. And it's, it's really, it's, it's an, an amazing, an amazing story or how they, um, learnt about the Holocaust. Um, so on to what was, what was recommended for children. The common books that, that are read, and obviously there aren't a huge amount. The Silver Sword by Ian Seralia, which was first published in 1956, um, about um, three children who, who lose their parents in the war and they, they're trying to find them and they meet an orphan and who, he's, he's treasuring a paper knife, um, a knife, which comes to represent a silver sword. 
and it was given to him by an escaped prisoner of war. And they come to realize that that escaped prisoner was their father. And they go on a dangerous trip across the battlefields of Europe to try and find their parents. And this is an old classic that I know people are still recommending, still using to teach children. Um, I am David. A lot of people mentioned this one that they remember from their own childhood that they would pass on to their own children to read by Anne Holm. Um, first published in 1963. Um, it's about a 12 year old boy who has spent his, basically his entire life in a prison camp in Eastern Europe who knows nothing about the outside world. But when he's given the chance to escape, he grabs it and he's got everyone hot on his heels. But he doesn't know anything about the outside world, and his only resources are a compass and some vague advice to head to Denmark. And um, he, it's a it's a story chronicling the the journey that he takes um, in order to to gain his freedom. And it's it's really a story about about that hope. The other popular one that I loved when I was a child was when Hitler stole Pink Rabbit by Judith Kerr, which was first published in 1971. Um, Judith Kerr, incidentally, was was um, a German-born British writer, and she left Germany with her parents and her brother in 1933, which was pretty soon after the Nazis first came to power. They were forced to leave. Her father was a, um, a journalist, a drama critic, a screenwriter. His name was Alfred Kerr, but he had openly criticised the Nazis, and they actually burned his books um, shortly after the family left Germany. And they first went to Switzerland, um, moving on to France, before finally settling in Britain, where she stayed ever since and was finally naturalised. And the story is 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 loosely based on on her own life, and it's about how how life changed, started to change in Germany. And for a young child who doesn't understand what's happening. Um, you know, you want your comfortable, um, secure life to carry on. And she was nine years old and she was very busy with her schoolwork and playing with her friends. And she didn't really notice all the political posters and the face of Hitler. And she had to literally pack up and leave. Her father was missing and, you know, she has to pack up, leave and, and rush off in secret with her mother and her brother and leave Germany. And um, although the story is slightly fictionalized, it is loosely based on Judith um, Kerr's life. We're going to take a short break and we'll continue after that. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. And that's the most fun you'll have with your clothes on. Now that I have your attention, what I really want you to know is that you can now catch my show, The Dennis Prager Show, Sunday to Thursday nights. Right here on 101.9 High FM. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. One of the biggest and most life-threatening mysteries is how the virus causes silent hypoxia, a condition when oxygen levels in the body are abnormally low. Through the administration of concentrated oxygen, Whilst in a pressurized or hyperbaric environment, oxygenate assists in reverting this and creating hyperoxia, a state in which oxygen supply is excessive. Fast track your recovery from long-term COVID effects. 
Contact number 086-099-5288. I'm back and we are discussing books relating to the Holocaust, seeing as this week is Holocaust Remembrance Week with Wednesday having been International Holocaust Remembrance Day. And if you would like to still send me recommendations of um, Holocaust books, books relating to the Holocaust that you have read, that you think other people should know about, you can SMS me on 34519, or you can send me a message on Telegram, 0618951019, and just tell me what the book is, who wrote it, and maybe a, a line or so about it, and I can let everybody know. And we'd love to hear from you. Um, I'm talking currently particularly about books that children can read that would help them introduce them to the concept of the Holocaust, what happened, um, and introduce them in a gentle way to the, um, what happened in the Holocaust. Obviously, adult books, children's books, very, very different. Um, a book that came out in 2014 that was aimed at younger children or aimed at children and became very popular with adults was a book called Two Prayers Before Bedtime. It was written by Nadine Wojciechowski. Um, it was a story that was written about her grandmother and it was based in Amsterdam um, in 1942 and where every day was a fight for survival and the Nazis had invaded. And with the help of the Dutch resistance, a desperate mother by the name of Silla, Silla was forced to send her young son and her 19-month-old baby daughter, can you imagine, into separate hiding places. And she then also went into hiding. And, I mean, obviously her entire time in hiding was spent in fear of, for her own children. She didn't know if they were alive, if, if they would remember her, and if they would ever want to come home. And this was a secret story, a true story, and it was only told 70 years after it had happened and told by, by Nadine Wojciechowski. And I remember when the manuscript of this went out and when Nadine, who wrote the story, wanted to know um, if it was appropriate for children and whether she needed to adjust it, tweak it. And, and it's become extremely popular for both children and adults. It's two prayers before bedtime. Another book that you may have heard about quite recently because um, the author was actually in South Africa is The Children of Wilson Lane, which was written by Mona Golubek. It was first published in 2003, and it's based on the true story of her mother, whose name was Lisa Jura. And she describes the, the inspirational story of, of Lisa, her mother's escape from Austria, um, on the very well-known kinder transport, um, Mona's mother, Lisa Jura, was a musical prodigy, and she lived in Vienna, and her family were all very musical, and the Nazis obviously invaded, and the family could only actually secure one space on the kinder transport. So they decided to send Lisa to London in the hope that she could pursue her dreams as a concert pianist. And she goes on this trip all on her own. She's left her family behind. And she's first posted in, in the most awful place. But thankfully, she finds her way to the Wilson Lane orphanage. And that's where the story really comes to life because 
she's able to use her music to cheer up the other children in the orphanage. They've all been separated from their families. They don't know what's happened to them. And she has made a promise to her family that she will realize her musical potential. And through her hard work, she wins a scholarship to study piano at the Royal Academy. And she supports herself and her studies, and she does make a life for herself. And uh, Mona Golubic wrote the story about her mother. It's a story about uplifting the human spirit and about endurance and patience and peace. It's a, it's a wonderful story. And if you go online and, and look up um, the book and Mona Golubic, you'll see she's actually produced a play about it, and it's got a, an amazing background. That's the Children of Wilston Lane. One book that I had never heard about that was recommended was a book by Michael Mopurgo. It was first published in 2007, and it's called The Mozart Question. And it sounds absolutely lovely. Apparently, it's quite a short book with beautiful illustrations. And it's called, yeah, The Mozart Question. And it's a story within a story about someone who's sent to interview a world-famous violinist from Venice. And she's told she can ask him anything, but she's not allowed to ask him the Mozart question. Because if she asks him that, he will end the interview. But um, he realizes that he actually needs to now open up about the background. Because she says to him at the beginning of the interview that she knows she's not allowed to ask him the Mozart question. And when she says this, he realizes he has to tell her about the secret of his background and the family history and why he started to play the violin. And he tells the truth and tells her the story about his life as a young boy to the present day and how his parents were violinists and how they were made to play in the camp, the concentration camp orchestra, and they were made to play Mozart to calm the Jews down when they were brought into the camp, not knowing what was about to happen to them. And that's why he never wanted to speak about it, because it brought back too many memories and things from the past that he felt were best forgotten. Apparently, it is the most beautiful book. I had never heard of it. Um, it's called The Mozart Question by Michael Mopurgo. So I'm going to move on to books that are more related to adults. And the one book, I know I said I was, I was looking for books that were more obscure and not um, books that, that we know about and books that are not so commonly mentioned. But the one book that so many people mentioned that I really feel deserves um, talking about was Night by Elie Wiesel, which was first published in 1956. And I cannot tell you how many people um, mentioned this book. And um, for those who don't know, Elie Wiesel, who was, he was born in, in Seget in Transylvania, and he was a teenager when he and his family were deported to Auschwitz and then to Buchenwald. And it's, it's an absolutely shattering record of the memory of, his, of, of the death of his parents and his little sister and actually the death of his own innocence and the absolute despair that he felt as an observant Jew um, witnessing the the complete evil that, that he was confronted by. And he said, never shall I forget that night, the first night in camp that turned my life into one long night. Never shall I forget 
even were I condemned to live as long as God himself. And those are the words that are on the wall of the Holocaust Memorial Museum in Washington. And in um, 1986, when Elie Wiesel received the Nobel Peace Prize, the Norwegian Nobel Committee actually called him a messenger to mankind. And they said that he had rescued from the ashes of Auschwitz after storm and fire had ravaged his life. And in time, he actually realized that his life could have, have purpose, that he was to be a witness, the one who would pass on the account of what had happened so that the dead would not have died in vain and so that the living could live. And um, in 2006, when he received an honorary knighthood in London, um, it was in recognition of all the work that he, had, that he had done towards raising Holocaust education in the United Kingdom. When he passed away in 2016, the White House issued a memorial statement where President um, Obama actually called him the conscience of the world. And um, as I say, I cannot tell you how many people recommended this book. And the fact that it was first published in 1956 and is still being so highly recommended today speaks for itself. Um, in contrast to that, a book that was published last year and that was also highly recommended, and I received my copy, and I have to thank Pan McMillan for that, was a book called The Happiest Man on Earth by Eddie Jaku, and I'm sure many of you have seen his TEDx talk. He is the most, I mean, I don't want to belittle him by calling him the most adorable man, but um, he He's a survivor, and just look him up on YouTube if you haven't seen his talk. I know we have mentioned him on the show before. And just to give you some background, he always considered himself a German first and a Jew second. He was a very proud German, but in 1938, he was beaten and arrested and taken to a concentration camp. And he was first in Buchenwald, then in Auschwitz, the opposite to Elie Wiesel's story. And then he w was taken on a death march and he lost his family, his friends, and he lost his country because obviously he could no longer be a proud German. Um, but he survived and made a vow to smile every day. And he pays tribute to those who were lost by telling his story and sharing his wisdom and living his best possible life. And he now believes he is the happiest man on earth. This is, it's a, it's powerful, it's heartbreaking, and it's, it's such a hopeful memoir of how you can find happiness even after living through the darkest times. Um, it was published last year when Eddie turned a hundred. And I highly recommend this. It's called The Happiest Man on Earth. Another book that was recommended that I had never heard of, fascinating, I did some research on it, was called The Bravest Voices, The Extraordinary Heroism of Sisters Ida and Louise Cook During the Nazi Era. And it was written by Ida Cook and was first published in 1950. Um, Ida and Louise Cook, two sisters, two ordinary English women, and they seemed destined never to stray. They lived in a quiet English suburb. They had comfortable jobs. Ida was a budding romance novelist at the time. And Louise was a civil service typist. And in 1923, they heard um, an aria from Madame Butterfly, the opera. And 
they suddenly became quite passionate about opera. They quite enjoyed that. And they started forming friendships with some of Europe's leading opera singers. And they formed a network with them. They, they became friendly with them. They got to know a lot of them. And as it turned out, many of them were Jewish, many of these opera singers. But as the Nazis rose to power, Ida and Louise began working within the opera world um, insiders, within that network, to save members of that community from, from certain death. And it says in the description of the book that through ingenuity, thrift, and bottomless goodwill, the sisters eluded the suspicion of the Nazis and helped secure safe passage for dozens of refugees. No one would have predicted such daring lives for Ida and Louise Cook, but that underestimation is exactly how they were able to save so many lives. And I, I find that absolutely fascinating because it is, it is ordinary, everyday people like these who have these stories to tell and who, who did save so many lives. And I think it's amazing that they, they, they recorded these stories and have written them down so that we know about them today and that they have been shared. Um, I'm just trying to find my next book. Um, the Hidden. So The Hidden is, is actually a fictionalized story um, about three people living um, out their retirement, but it's based on something that I think was, was not known about at all. Well, I certainly didn't know much about it. During the Second World War, um, at least 34,000 women were trafficked into prostitution by the Nazis. Um, some were placed in concentration ca camps. Others were um, sent to a about 500 military bordellos across occupied Europe, including the Channel Islands, Alderney, Guernsey, and Jersey. And... Um, the Channel Islands were actually the only part of the British Isles that were under Nazi occupation during the war. So this book, um, a novel, um, it's, it's been fictionalized, but as, as I say, it it's, takes place in Jersey, the only occupied region of the British Isles. And it's about Dora and Joe and Jeffrey who are living out their retirement comfortably. And their world is suddenly shattered by the arrival of a, of a woman by the name of Barbara, who is a young German, and she wants to track down the identity of a mysterious woman whose photograph she's found um, amongst her mother's possessions. Um, and she, she tries to dig and to find out what happened in the past. And as the truth of what happened under the occupation begins to be revealed, the lives of Dora, who is in fact a Jewish refugee, and Joe, who's a Catholic priest, begin to unravel in shocking and surprising ways. And the consequences of the lives they lived under the Germans and the lives that followed are as unexpected as they are devastating. The Hidden is a heart-rending and provocative story of love and abandonment, shame and survival that casts light onto the forgotten shadows of the war in occupied Jersey. And this one sounded very, very interesting and quite different. And as I say, um, a story being told about something that many people probably don't know about, and about an area, um, um, an area, a region that, that often doesn't get covered when, you know, we hear stories about the war. The next book 
is called The Last Constellation Over Auschwitz by Kevin Rickson. And it was first time, it's, it's a brand new book. And it's actually the book that Amazon has offered for free in honor of Holocaust Remembrance Week. So if you head over to Amazon, I would recommend doing it quite quickly. Um, it's still available for free. I checked this morning. Um, this is the book that they've offered this year um, at no charge um, in honor of Holocaust Remembrance. Kevin Rickson was born in London. He actually grew up in South Africa during um, the apartheid years. So he was a first-hand witness to the impact of um, racism, indoctrination, and that's helped form a lot of his writing. And um, he, he studied photojournalism, film and documentary in Cape Town and chronicled life in the townships. He actually won an award from the London International Film Festival. And he went on to become creative director for Rapid Blue, which is one of South Africa's leading production companies. They actually have quite a few shows that are currently um, screening on, on our TV screens at the moment. He's based in London at the moment, and he's won f more than 50 international awards. He, in recent years, he's worked on numerous Holocaust projects that have included collaborations with UNESCO and the German History Channel for documentaries on Auschwitz and Dachau. And um, he's, he's worked on, on various projects, and he spent five years researching and writing this novel. Um, the novel actually came about because he overheard a conversation between his daughter and her teenage Jewish friend, who had at the time never heard about the Holocaust. And um, it's about a young man in 1939 who basically on the eve of the war, he is drafted into the Hitler Youth, but discovers as he is about to um, march in to the first family that he's told to go and basically march into their house. He's told that his mother's actually Jewish and it's a secret. And it's a story of him and the girl whose house he's supposed to march into and the coming, the following years of their lives. It looks like quite a fascinating read. Head over to Amazon. It's still free of charge. We're going to take a break and I'll be right back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz. I am back and we are chatting today about Holocaust books in honor of Holocaust Remembrance Week. Um, I am chatting based on recommendations that were sent to me this week by lots and lots of people and you can still send in your recommendations. You can SMS them on 34519 or send them through on Telegram 0618951019. And um, another book that I know is quite, it's quite popular, but quite different. Um, is a book called We Are the Lucky, We Were the Lucky Ones by Georgia Hunter, first published in 2017. And I know there was, um, it, it is a novel. It's fictionalized. I know there was a lot of um, talk about whether it was based on, on truth, whether it's actually, um, a story of her life, her family's life. 
The interesting thing um, about this is that Georgia Hunter was the, the author was 15 years old when she discovered that she came from a family of Holocaust survivors, and the book itself um, came out of her quest to uncover her family's history. And if you visit her site, which is www.georgiahunterauthor.com, it offers a really, really interesting behind-the-scenes glimpse at the research that this this project entailed and and the research that that this book took and she also gives tips on on how to research your own family background if you're interested on on doing some some background research on your own family not necessarily if you want to write your own novel though i mean go ahead be my guest but it's a fascinating website it it gives amazing background and insight into how she researched this book it's about three generations of the Kirk family, and they're doing their best to live their normal lives in 1939, even though the war is getting closer and closer, and they are sitting around their family Seder table, normal chit-chat, new babies, budding romances, and they're trying not to talk about the threats that the Jews are encountering in their hometown their hometown of Radom in Poland. But um, soon, obviously, those horrors become inescapable, and the family are flung to the far corners of the world. And one sibling is forced into exile, another attempts to flee the continent, and others just struggle to escape certain death, either by working um, on you know, empty stomachs, factories, the ghetto, or, or hiding as non-Jews in plain sight. And they all have this, this unwavering will to survive. And there's obviously that desperate fear that they're never going to see anyone again, each other again. They're going to lose each other, but they've got that inner strength to persevere. And um, it's it's a novel about the human spirit, endurance and perseverance and, and that desperate need to thrive. And as I say, um, pay a visit to her website, www.georgiahunterauthor.com. It's, it's really a fascinating um, look into the research that she did. The other popular book was um, The Things We Cannot Say, which initially when you look at it doesn't look like a Holocaust book, but it is. First published in 2019, written by Kelly Rimmer. Um, it's one of those dual timeline books, um, Poland 1942 and America 2019. Um starts in Poland, two young people in love, and um, Alina is a farmer's daughter, and all she dreams about is becoming the wife of Thomas, a medical student. And he just wants to become a doctor and come home and work in his father's medical practice. But obviously the war changes all of that. And then in America, 2019, we have Alice, whose grandmother is in hospital after a stroke, and she asks Alice to go and find Thomas for her. And she decides to travel to her grandmother's hometown, hometown to see what happened to her grandparents all those years ago. She, she wants to go and find out about her family history, what happened. And it slips between Nazi-occupied Poland and that, that fast-paced uh, modern life. And she, Kelly Rimmer is well-known for, for creating emotional um, narrative and that weaves together women's stories and perseverance, loyalty, love, honor. And I know I, I personally have not managed to read this yet, 
um, it is sitting on my bookshelf. And I know that that for everyone who has read this, that um, they say it's highly memorable and they they also highly recommend this. Um, I've just got a message here from someone who recommended for children a book called Number the Stars by Lois Lowry. Um, I do know that that I know quite a few years ago, quite a few schools were prescribing that. I don't know if they still do. And she also, whoever this is, also said that new one just read one of the most harrowing but excellent, The Brothers of Auschwitz. Okay, great. Thank you so much. I don't know who this is. If you could send me the author, The Brothers of Auschwitz, so I can let people know and they can look for that, that would be great. Thank you so much. Another book that I hadn't heard of that someone recommended, and it sounded, I mean, the the title alone led me to look it up, was The Death Heads Chess Club by John Donahoe. Donahue, first published in 2015. And it's a story about SS Obersturmführer Paul Meisner, who arrives in Auschwitz from the Russian front after being badly wounded, and he's only now fit for admin duty. And they assign him with the very important task of improving the flag in camp morale. And he sets up a chess club, which thrives, thrives as because the officers and all the enlisted men who are working in camp, uh, at the camp, the, the, the actual SS officers, they're allowed to gamble on the results of the games. But then Meisner learns from a chance remark that chess is also played by the prisoners. And he hears of a Jewish watchmaker who is unbeatable. And he sets out to discover the truth behind this rumor. But what he finds will haunt him to his death. And this is a deeply moving novel about an impossible friendship. The Death's Head Chess Club challenges us to consider what might be the very limits of forgiveness and what might be the cost of a lifetime of bitterness. This one sounds absolutely out. Um, and thank you so much to this person who has messaged me to let me know that the author of The Brothers of Auschwitz, which apparently is quite a new book, is Malka Adler. And she says, you must read this. So take it from this message, Brothers of Auschwitz by Malka Adler. You must read this. Um, I just want to let you know about a book that has been published currently only online by the South African Holocaust and Genocide Foundation. And it was published, uh, it was sent out, um, put on their website on Wednesday, which obviously was Holocaust Remembrance Day. It's been edited by Kim Nates and Tully Nates of um, the Johannesburg Holocaust and Genocide Foundation, and it's called Portraits of Survival. This is volume one, The Holocaust, um, first published in 2021. It's a volume that showcases and honors the lives of Holocaust survivors who later settled in South Africa. And these are stories that highlight not only the diversity of experiences of genocide, but also many important lessons and insights into the consequences of discrimination, prejudice, and othering, as well as the power of activism and speaking up. It is the most beautifully put together 
and publication. There are plans to bring out a printed publication later in the year, but please, please go and visit um, www.jhbholocaust.co.za. Go to the tab that says Remembrance and look for online publications, and you will find it there. It is the most beautifully put together um, publication, and it, it gives the stories, photographs, of, of Holocaust survivors who settled in South Africa. I'm going to take a break, and then I have got something quite different for you when I come back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. I am back. And I am chatting about Holocaust books in honor of Holocaust Remembrance Week. And you can still SMS me or telegram me your recommendations, SMS line 34519 or telegram 0618951019. Send me a message and I will let people know what you recommend. So in my research for today's show, as well as all the recommendations that I was so inundated with, thank you so much once again to everybody who responded. I did some research to see what books were available, what was new, what was, you know, what was out there. And I came across this book that is going to be available from March this year. So it's not out yet. Um, it's going to be available from March 2021. I didn't actually find that there would be a Kindle copy available. So at the moment, it looks like you can only order a hardcover copy. It's called The Nazi's Granddaughter, How I Discovered My Grandfather Was a War Criminal by Sylvia Foti. That's F-O-T-I. I'm going to read you the premise of the book and the research that Sylvia has done. It, it's a fascinating story that, that lies behind this book. And I think it's going to be of particular relevance to many of our community who are of Lithuanian descent. A deathbed promise leads a daughter on an incredible journey to write about her grandfather, who was a famous war hero. But this journey had a terrible destination, the discovery that he was a Nazi war criminal. Sylvia Foti's mother was dying. Wanting to preserve family history, Sylvia's mother asks her to write a book about Foti's grandfather, Jonas Noreka, a famous World War II hero. Foti's grandmother tries to intervene, begging her granddaughter not to write about her husband. Just let history lie, she whispered. Foti had no idea that in keeping her promise to her mother, her discoveries would bring her to a personal crisis, unearth Holocaust denial and expose an official cover-up by the Lithuanian government that resulted in an internationally followed lawsuit. Jonas Noreka was a Lithuanian known as General Storm. He led an uprising that won the country of Lithuania back from the communists, only to have it fall under Nazi control. He was an official during the Holocaust and chief of the second largest region in the country during the Nazi occupation. 
yet he became a prisoner in a Nazi concentration camp. Floti set out to write a heroic biography about her famous grandfather. But as she dug ever deeper, she encountered so much evidence proving that her flesh and blood hero was a Jew killer that even she could no longer believe the lie. The Nazi's granddaughter is Foti's first-hand account of her journey, which began as an act of family pride and ended with uncovering the secret her family and an entire nation had kept hidden for 79 years. It addresses, how should our family's past, shameful or noble, noble shape our identity? How could one man be revered as a hero, having a grammar school named after him? and yet be a villain responsible for the deaths of thousands? Why are some European countries still in denial about their role in the Holocaust? How was this kept secret until now? Foti has paired up with Grant Gochen, a Lithuanian Jew living in California, who's initiated multiple lawsuits against the Genocide and Resistance Research Center of Lithuania, requesting that it cease honoring Jonas Nareka as a World War II hero. Gochen had more than a 100 relatives murdered in the, the Holocaust, claiming the Foti's grandfather was responsible. He hired researchers to help him build a case that resulted in a negative verdict in March 2019, and that lawsuit is now on its way to the European Court of Human Rights. This looks like it is going to be an absolute bestseller. It's the Nazi's granddaughter, How I Discovered My Grandfather Was a War Criminal by Sylvia Foti, and it's going to be published and available in March 2021. Of course, there are so many more books. I just don't have time to get to all of them, so I hope you found something there that you would be able to read relating to the Holocaust. Unfortunately, that's all I have time for. I wish you all a great week. Look after each other, take care, wear your masks, and read a book. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008.